Hello, 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 everyone. And this is Katina. Welcome to the Inflamed Sisters Thriving Podcast, a safe space created to guide women living with chronic illness to uncover their purpose by doing what they were meant to do, move in power by advocating for themselves in all aspects of life, and accelerate their growth in health, career, and business. You will learn how to stop hiding and start thriving. We will inspire, educate, and motivate you as we show you and Flame Sisters thrive together always. Once again, my name is Katina Morrison, your host, and I would love to introduce my lovely guest, the amazing Jenny. Hello, hello, everyone. It's so good to have you, sis, and I would love for you to introduce yourself to our audience. Hi, everyone. My name is Jenny Weaver, but many of our listeners might know me as Gracefully Jen over on Instagram, as well as with the My Swoonie Sisters podcast. And, uh, you know, I'm a Spoonie sister trying to reach out and support fellow Spoonie sisters. And you do an amazing job. You are a amazing at not only creating a community, but building community across multiple communities. And I appreciate you for that. Uh, Jenny and I have come in contact through Instagram. And as a result of Instagram, have built a sisterhood and a friendship and combined and grew communities as a result. And that's what I wanted this podcast episode to be about the importance of um, building a community, growing a community when you live with chronic illness. Can you tell us about your journey with chronic illness and autoimmune disease in specific? Absolutely. So my story kind of begins back, you know, probably around 2010 is really when I started to pick up on a lot of what was going on with, with myself. Uh, before that, there, there were probably some some little things that I didn't realize, and I didn't realize that uh, my endometriosis had a lot to play with things as well, or what a significant thing that was. But RA became very prevalent in my life with a diagnosis on December 12th of 2012, followed by many allergic reactions, all kinds of problems with gaslighting and rheumatologists followed by another allergic reaction to an infusion medicine causing medically induced psoriasis, better known as pustular psoriasis. And the diagnosis for that finally came April 21st of 2017. So I've kind of been through it. And so with going through all that I have, I want to be there for all of our fellow Spoonies to support them as they they deal with these and are new to what's going on with themselves. Mm-hmm. I understand that personally because actually our timelines kind of collide because in 2012, I had a very traumatic car accident and it was around that time that my symptoms I've had since childhood became not just monthly or you know, every once in a while, they became consistent symptoms. And at that time, I experienced a lot of medical gaslighting. I was um, seen by at least a dozen different doctors before I was able to get my diagnosis, um, which became rheumatoid arthritis, 
uh, eventually, it started out with fibromyalgia, rheumatoid arthritis, and then endometriosis were some of the diagnoses I had. So I completely understand that. And when you see what your journey was like, we always, well, our goal is to help others shorten that journey to their diagnosis or understanding that you are not alone. So tell me what what motivated you and what were the steps you took to grow your community? Okay, so my motivation, I, I mean, I kind of keep touching on this over and over, but it's just, I felt so alone with everything that mm -hmm. I was going through. I started to see friendships slowly disappear, people that couldn't handle having a friend that was chronically ill. I, in fact, I had a friend tell me that we could no longer be friends because she could not handle having someone that she was going to worry about losing. That was really hard to hear. And so as I watched my friendships dissolve in front of me, the loneliness you feel as you're already dealing with some really difficult things, I never want anyone to feel like that ever. If I can just find all these newbies and lift them up, encourage them, hold them close and show them that we can still thrive and function and have friendships and value in our lives. That's my goal. That's definitely my, um, yeah, that's my motivation. That's exactly what you're doing. And I noticed that is that I love the way that you say collect all these newbies, um, newbies to that experience of being diagnosed or not even really knowing what's going on with you. And oftentimes all of us experience autoimmune disease and chronic illness differently. Um, some may not uh, have as severe of symptoms and others may have extremely severe symptoms that change their lives. And when you go through that process, it's sometimes a process of grieving the loss of the life you thought you could have had or should have had if you had not been diagnosed with chronic illness. I've seen um, people go through that. I've experienced it myself, but we are examples of the fact that you can still thrive um, and you don't have to start hiding. You can start thriving now. Don't even start hiding because you have a community that is here waiting um, for you. Um, both of us utilize Instagram as a method of building and growing communities of support. And I really loved your community, you running into you. The first page I ran into was Gracefully Jenny. Um, and it was one of those inviting pages. And as soon as I connected with you, it was as if I, I was, I found a sister, a real sister who was there to support. And that's what you do. You don't just collect newbies, you collect sisters. How did you come up with uh, you went from gracefully Jenny to now you have my Spoonie sisters, right? Yes. What led you to take to transition from the focus and using your social media platform from, you know, your journey to now many people's journeys? Wow. Yeah. So it kind of, it was a process, right? And, you, you know, I started that Spoonie chat with all of us sisters and there's roughly about 20 of us that get on there and we, we chat about what's going on in our lives. We chat about what's going on with our chronic illness. We make fun little videos together. I mean, it's all kinds of little things. It started with that. 
And actually, let's back up. It started with a video. That's actually how it started. So if we go back to Chelsea from My Immune System Pod, she no longer does the podcast, but wow, she really, she's what I needed, you know, when I found her last year. And she was such an encouragement and still is. And I'm so proud of the things that she does. For those that don't know her, she is a professional dancer in New York City and she is extremely talented. And she teaches other people as well. She teaches children. But uh, one day I said, you know what? Let's let's do a, a fun reel together. And it was kind of a corny one, but we had so much fun. And it was an audio that involved saying, hey, over and over. And so several of us that go on to the Thursday support group that she has, we all just recorded a small clip waving and saying, hey. And so we put it all together, had a reel. And from there, it went on to the next one where we tossed a spoon together. And then the chat was created and we had fun chatting all through Christmas time. And we even did a Christmas themed toss the spoon video. And, and next thing I know, Chelsea comes and she tells me that she's no longer going to have her podcast. And what? You can't do this to me, Chelsea. And she was the encouragement for me to finally take the leap and, and start interviewing my Spoonie sisters. And at the time, I wasn't sure what I was going to name it. And one evening as I was trying to create some, some designs and some real ideas for for me to do with these girls, it just occurred to me, we're my Spoonie sisters, so why not call it that? And so that's kind of the whole progression, if any of that made sense. <laughs> yes, it made a lot of sense. I love that story because I love that you also invited me to be a part of it. Not only was I part uh, able to be on your podcast, uh, you also, uh, actually, I remember encouraging you when I met you, sis, you need to have a podcast when we were, um, yes, when we did. first met for the first time. And you said, you know what? Someone else told me the same thing, I think. She's like, maybe this is a sign that I'm supposed to have a podcast. Yes. All the time, I was also, um, I was developing some other things, but I said, you know what? I need to do a podcast too. I'm, I'm telling all, you know, other people, you all should have a podcast. I love hearing. I said, why don't I take a leap and do it as well? So you and I kind of started around the same time, coincidentally, you, I think a month or so ahead of me, but I love the fact that you saw a void. You saw where we would not have, um, the podcast that Chelsea had, and you were like, wait a minute, somebody has to fill this void for our sisters. We all, we need this. We need something where we can go to and communicate with each other. And just to let everyone know, when we speak about Spoonie sisters, we're speaking about the spoon theory that was created by, I believe it was a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Um, and she wrote an article that explained how people with chronic illnesses only have a certain amount of energy. And that energy is divided up among all of the tasks that they have to do each day. But add on to that, the fact that they have a chronic illness, illness that can rob them of an excessive amount of energy. So what are you going to do with the amount of spoons you have each day? Is it brushing your teeth? Is it combing your hair? Is it going to work? 
Is it eating? Some The energy you exert at times even to eat or to bathe can be difficult. So when you are women who are living with those types of conditions and we have limited energy and we're counting our spoons, it's wonderful to have a group of women that you can count those spoons together with and ex extend your energy. Because when you have a support system like this, it's so amazing the amount of energy um, because of the pos exchange of positive energy that there is, how much more it fills you rather than depletes you. I often say do what fills you and not what depletes you. And being amongst a group of women who understand you but are also full of positivity is so amazing. So I really appreciate that you created those not only your podcast, but those environments within the communities that you've developed. And that back chat, y'all, that chat that's in on Instagram, it, it, I don't know if this is the word anymore, but it does, it, it is lit, y'all. It, 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 it's so much fun. Um, all every day, there's so much support. So you told us, you've taken us on a journey of where you started out, out at in 2012 being diagnosed with um, multiple conditions and being experiencing medical gaslighting but uh and experiencing allergic reactions to medications mm -hmm. i don't even think that people realize how as, as um people who live with chronic illnesses the journey of getting diagnosed and treated at times takes several different roads so i want to go back to that those allergic reactions and then how, what was that experience like for you? Oh my gosh, it was so scary. So my, my first one happened really early on. Now, first of all, I was not even diagnosed yet. He was looking at a couple of different options of autoimmune disease because I was having multiple issues. You know, I had already had a hysterectomy due to endometriosis and thinking that was going to cure my issues, which FYI, we found out it does not cure those issues. Uh, followed by, I have really bad genetics. I don't know what the deal is, but I tend to have um, kidney stones quite often. And so I was having all kinds of gut health and women problems mixed in with joint pain. And, and so I, I mean, I get it. I will give some grace there where I know that they were trying to figure out what in the world was going on with my body. And, and so, yes, I wasn't diagnosed in the beginning, but the frustration to me was, okay, now you want to start throwing medications at me without even knowing what's wrong. I had an issue with that and I wish I would have voiced that. But the first medication, I believe it was hydroxychloroquine, not going to tell people not to try it. it. It works for many people, but it caused me to have a seizure. And I was visiting my parents and they, they live kind of out in the middle of nowhere. It was spring break. The whole town shuts down during spring break because they all travel. So there's no doctor. There's no hospital. And here I am. I, I had a seizure, fell, hit the ground, um, was really out of it, not feeling well. And next thing I know, the rheumatologist is saying, oh, no, no, no. We want you to stay on the medication. We already know you have a problem with seizures. You have epilepsy. Oh, I do? Since when? When did I get diagnosed with epilepsy that I'm not aware of? So what happened was they saw a medication listed in my chart that is given to people with epilepsy, but that's not why it was given to me, because as most of us know, there's all kinds of medications out there 
that they use to treat multiple conditions, not just one. So here it is. They just made an assumption and they were just pushing, pushing, pushing. And I'm proud of my husband and I for standing up for me and saying, no, this is a medication that was given to me for migraines, not epilepsy. I've never had a seizure in my life. What you're saying is not okay. And we'd said, we're not going to continue this. And, and so we moved on to another one. And, and I think that was when I finally tried methotrexate and, you know, that's a give and take right there. Some people get nauseous on it. Some people don't. I lost hair with it. I mean, yeah, I also dealt with huge sores on the inside of my mouth from it. I don't know how many people get that, but it wasn't an allergic reaction. It was a lot of normal stuff. When they decided to introduce me to infusion meds because methotrexate did not seem to be enough, we tried me on Orencia. No allergic reactions did fine, except it just wasn't working. It wasn't doing anything for me. So eventually we moved on and that is bully. I believe that was, that might've been Actemra at the time that we put me on. And, uh, that one lowered my white blood count too much. And so we had to go off of that. And that's when Rebuncade came into my life, which I thought was the end all cure all. I'm in remission. I feel amazing until one day sores began to appear all over my body. And they thought I had some kind of skin thing I got from a pool or something. I don't know. They thought it was something weird. And when I saw my rheumatologist, I, I filled her in on what was going on. And she, the moment she took a look at my skin, she's like, oh, honey, something's wrong. And she said, give me a minute. I think I know what it is, but I want to I want to get some some second opinions. And next thing I know, <laughs> two more rheumatologists in the office come walking in to look at me. And, and that's when they let me know that I had uh, an allergic reaction causing medically induced psoriasis, otherwise known as pustular psoriasis. It's not fun. It's not pretty. And it's very ugly. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of the, the road of things. Um, I might've left one out. I'm sure there was another allergic reaction in there somewhere, but yeah. Did I answer your question? <laughs> yes, you did girl. You took okay. us on a road, uh, on a journey with that. And I appreciate it because this is something that has not been discussed yet on my podcast that explains how it's not just the, the diagnosis. Getting the diagnosis is hard enough. It's also getting the treatment that works and doesn't cause you any types of reactions. You mentioned Plaquenil was one that you took that gave you reactions. It was the same thing for me. While it worked wonderfully for my rheumatoid arthritis, I did not have any symptoms. It ended up causing me what they, a doctors initially thought was eczema. And I'm like, I've never been diagnosed with eczema in my entire life. Where, where, where did that come from? So we're trying all types of shampoos and body washes and lotions and creams. I'm itching day and night. I mean, when I tell you itching in my sleep, itching when I wake up, I don't know if anybody, anyone knows, but this sometimes itching can give me pain, but do not give me this type of itching. I will be in, 
Did you get the the uh, the bruising? Did you get any of that? Yes. Where it's, it looks like fingers were dragged down your body because we're itching so hard that we don't even realize we're bruising ourselves. Yeah. Yes, I got, and what mine looked like were burns. It literally looks like something had burned my skin on my face, on my arms, on my back, on my every part of my body. And I was a person who, as you you know, with my skin, had never had any problems prior to that. But my whole face was black, um, including my arms. And people were asking me, "Did you have a burn? Is is everything okay? You had? A, did you have an injury?" And it turns out someone posted on social media that. Uh, in Africa, plaquenil or hydroxychloroquine was, uh, in certain countries, it was actually banned because of the reaction that it caused people with African descent. And one of those, at those reactions was severe, uncontrollable, um, itching. And then other things uh, on top of that. And I was like, wait a minute. I go to talking to my aunts and my mom, who all of us have autoimmune diseases. And they say they've been itching like crazy for years, too. And we all find out that it is that medicine. In fact, my sister refused to take it because whenever she took it, she would start itching. So she had already connected it. I had not connected that itching to that medicine. And I should have. Um, but when you're on so many medicines, sometimes you just don't know. And at one time I was on 10 different medicines. So it was crazy. Once I, once I went to them and said, well, I saw this on social media. I did my research. They were like, oh, we didn't know that. And I'm like, so for two years, you've been sending me to all these dermatologists only to find out that social media told me what the issue was. So that brought us to where we are today. So I understand the allergic reactions. I've now transitioned from there to Humira. So you made it through that with the the allergies, but there was one thing that you hit on that I that actually broke my heart, and that was how you mentioned you lost friendships as a result of your condition. Um, can you talk about that a little bit more? Do you feel comfortable about it? Absolutely. I can't promise I might not cry though. Yeah, I, I may cry. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard when people willingly walk out of your life. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because those are the people that should always be there for you. And when they're there, when they're people that you've been there for through many things, and they don't understand or they think you're making things up and they willingly walk away. No words can explain that. And I will never allow someone to feel that way again. Exactly. See, I made you cry on my podcast. Now you're making me cry on yours. What Sorry, a deal. It <laughs> happened. It, it came out of nowhere, too. That's what you did to me. I did not mean to return the favor, but I am. This is the thing is it's what you say. We're two. We're empaths and we're two people who love people so hard. And at times what that what happened to you could actually drive a person inside of themselves and not want to reach out to other people. But because you have such a big heart being 
um, treated that way. Losing a very important friendship in your life actually drove you to expand, grow, to expand your heart even more to invite more people in so that they didn't feel like you. What a beautiful person you are. Thank you. Like, did you, girl, like that you didn't, and then on top of it, you didn't take this opportunity to throw that person under the bus and to name names and everything like that. You actually just said basically what I said, it broke your, it broke your heart. And when you give so much for a person not to be able to return that and in fact leave you at your weakest moment, it's hard, but what did you do, girl? You said, uh-uh, I'm going to stop hiding and start thriving out here, and I'm going to create a community that loves and supports one another because I have so much more love to give. And I want to thank you for that. Hmm. I thank you right back, you know. Oh. Because honestly, we couldn't do this alone, could we? No. It takes a community of fierce, amazing women to have what we have. And I can't say it enough. There's a room, there's room enough for all of us. And we hit on every corner and every Avenue, but it's our job to be there to support each other and lift each other up. Because if we don't, who's going to, who's going to, Exactly. I can't wait for someone to lift me up. But if I go do it for someone else, I'm going to encourage someone else to do that and just pass that along. And it is amazing to watch it happen. The trickling effect that we can all make on everyone's lives. Why not? Exactly. And what do what it's a very well-known saying, be the change that you want to see. And the way that we did that is by taking a leap of faith and saying that I have what someone else's else needs that can help them to thrive in life. So what a beautiful thing. Like, really, that just touched my heart. Look how we just went to that. Um, and, uh, you know, my eyes are trying to start misting and, and, and trying to water, too. But I'm not going to let it rain today. Um, because... <laughs> <laughs> I have a new thing. I started telling people this yesterday. If it doesn't leave my eyes, as long as it's on my eyeballs, I'm not really crying. <laughs> exactly. But this is um, another thing. So you took that leap. And you, uh, you went through this very, this journey with your illness and we're still all, we're all still in the journey. We're in this journey together. It never goes away. No. And you lost friendships. I, what I found for myself, not, I had to, it's not that I lost friendships, but I had to set boundaries. I had to realize my energy that I needed to protect it. My spoons, I couldn't continue to give them away to people who were going to just um, take them and um, not appreciate it or, you know, take it for granted. So if a person continually or constantly had negative energy, I could not continue to associate with them as much. So in my case, it wasn't that I um, lost friendships. I had to separate myself sometimes from people who were negatively impacting my health. And so for those of you who have autoimmune disease or chronic illnesses, 
just remember that your energy is important and people that you associate with can either bring in positive or negative energy and negative energy can lead to flare-ups, okay? It can lead to stress, it can lead to depression, it can lead to anxiety. And if you're an empath like us, you're taking on all of everybody else's um, bad energy and trying to make them better and only putting out more energy that needs to be put into your health and into positive things. Did you find that to be a case too, Jenny? Absolutely. And I can't say this enough. We need to protect our spoons because mm -hmm. as much as we want to lift other people up, we can easily let people in so much that they are taking down our spoons. And, and how are we any good to anyone else if we're allowing that in? And so we have to have those boundaries. And I'm glad you brought that up because it's extremely important. If we don't have those boundaries to protect us and to protect others, we're just, we're, we're going to either fail or lose our spoons or go into a flare. And I mean, the whole point is to try to get into remission, right? To feel and thrive the best that we can in our lives. And how can we do that if we don't have those boundaries? Exactly. I agree. Um, and that's all a part of self-advocacy. Sometimes people think of self-advocacy as what we do when it comes to our health and asserting ourselves and being an active participant in our health care. But truthfully, self-advocacy also applies to all of your relationships, personal, professional, um, health-wise. But those personal relationships, because you're so connected to them, can sometimes be the relationships that actually affect your and impact your health the most. Those relationships can actually affect all your other good relationships negatively. So like, like Jenny said, protect those spoons, sisters. Okay, don't don't give those up. Just, you know, um, just willy-nilly, okay? <laughs> let's let's make sure that we're holding on to them because the goal is to go into remission. Thankfully, I'm a person who went from taking 10 different medicines, dealing with high-functioning depression, um, not along with my rheumatoid arthritis, fibromyalgia, and something else we have in common, endometriosis. Um, those things did impact me. But you did mention something else, as I said, endometriosis. Did you have a partial hysterectomy or a total hysterectomy? So, okay, <laughs> my answer is a little complicated. I will say I had a partial, but as I constantly say about all of my, my health journey, let's back up and let's back up a lot. Let's go back to the year 1980. So honestly, that's how far back my crazy story starts. My mom actually had to rush me to the hospital. I had an ovary that was twisted and went gangrene and they had to remove it. And so as an infant, I only had one ovary and the following year it happened again. And they were able to salvage it. Obviously I do have children. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you that know. Um, so they were able to salvage it. How? I have no idea. But praise God, he figured it out. Um, my mom says he was an amazing doctor. My parents could not be thrilled enough about the care that I received. Um, they never really could figure out what caused this to happen. But yeah, and I, you know, I had a lot of issues um, when I first started getting periods and a lot of pain. And um I hope it's okay to say this, but you know, painful sex. I mean, that's mm -hmm. stuff that people don't always talk about. 
there's a lot of issues that come with our female issues and endometriosis. And, uh, you know, the doctor had me feeling that doing a hysterectomy was my cure-all. And honestly, we tried him to get him to take my ovary. And he was insistent because I was 27 at the time that I needed to keep it, even though we weren't planning on having any other children. My husband was already fixed as well. So he left it. And then three years later, I had to have an emergency surgery because guess what happened to my ovary again? <laughs> it almost burst. I almost died in 2000, was it 13 or 14? I'm going to butcher it. It was one of those two years. So I, my health is very complicated. <laughs> okay. So at this point, do you have ovaries or you, what, I what's, I have nothing. Everything's gone. It's and all gone. And do you still have endometrius, endometriosis symptoms? I, I believe I do. Um, oh, wow. And it wasn't until talking to, and I believe you've interviewed her before. It was not until I talked to LJ that it finally yes. occurred to me, I'm not crazy. <laughs> There's something, something going on. Going on there. Yeah. I, um, I'm glad that we touched on this because women need to know that. I did have a total hysterectomy in 2020. I started having endometriosis symptoms when I was 11. I was not diagnosed until I was 34 with endometriosis. So, and at, by that time, it was because the anemia I had suffered with my whole life had finally become um, life-threatening. And the only way to get rid of that was to finally um, have the total hysterectomy. I tried many different medicines, many different natural and holistic things. It fell. I had a total hysterectomy, but I haven't had any symptoms since then. And then the painful intercourse and intimacy, um, you know, it, everything changed. It went away. So I'm like, what? it's different for each person. Girl, I'm living. Let me stop, Tina. You're on. <laughs> <laughs> That's for a different <laughs> but the point of the matter is I'm living my best life now. So, but that's not everybody's experience. Um, but I have energy because the thing is from 11 years old, I've had severe anemia because of how heavy my menstrual cycles were. And on top of that, the severe pain that lasted at least majority of the month, it wasn't just during my menstrual cycle. So that's um, what I experienced. But once I had it, I woke up after the surgery like, wait a minute, did I just have a surgery? Because why do I feel more energetic now than I did coming in here? It's almost like, like what is this crazy miracle you caused? That's what I was thinking. I was like, what is this? Is this a fluke incident? Because I'm like, I'm supposed to be, you know, recovering from a procedure. So it was like extremely, um, for me, it really changed my life. It, um, I, it, I haven't had any symptoms, but you're right. From LJ Johnson and from what you said, there are women who still have symptoms even after total hysterectomy. So, um, y'all, but it's because as mentioned, it's an inflammatory condition. And it should, in my mind, be considered an autoimmune disease um, because it's very very highly correlated to autoimmune disease and research shows that. So let's see what they say in the future. A couple of years from now, they might say it because if you're still having that inflammatory condition um, 
after you've removed all of your female organs, okay, this sounds like the autoimmune, um, the, the immune system is attacking um, your body still uh, and causing these symptoms. But let's see what science tells us because, you know, they take time to tell us what we already know sometimes. Um, <laughs> so we've been, I, sis, I have enjoyed this conversation. I always enjoy talking to you. You are an amazing warrior woman uh, and a friend to me and so many other people. We started out this conversation of talking about the importance of building a community. If you're out there and you feel alone, don't be afraid to utilize what's at your fingertips. Something like social media can bring two people who live on two opposite sides of the country um, together. I'm all the way over here in Florida, sunny Florida, and she's all the way in sunny California, I believe. <laughs> and we still were able to connect um, and build a relationship. So look for communities like ours. And if you haven't joined them, joined us, join us, please, so that we can be a source of support for you and provide you other amazing Spoonie sisters that can support you too. So as we're concluding, could you please tell us, where can we find you, sis? Oh, gosh. At this point, where can you not find me? <laughs> okay. Well, thanks to my amazing stepdad, who has created a, so much out of my tiny little thing that I started. You can find, still find me on Instagram. Uh, you can locate me at gracefully underscore Jen, or you can find me at my underscore Spoonie underscore sisters on Instagram, but there is also a My Spoonie Sisters website and of course, podcast. Awesome. So make sure you go and find her at those places. You will not regret it. You will be entertained. You will be encouraged. You will be motivated and you will find other Spoonie sisters just like you. So my sister, I thank you so much for joining me again today. And I look forward to having you again in the future, as well as us teaming up again and in many different ways that we can collaborate. And as you all know, I, I end each episode just like this. My sisters, we may be inflamed, but we're still here. And as long as we're here, let's, why not? thrive together because inflamed sisters thrive together always. Have a wonderful day, everybody. And it's been a blessing and a pleasure to share this with you.